You are listening to the Center Church Podcast. Center Church is an unapologetic urban church in the heart of Richmond for the heart of Richmond. Our mission is simple, to empower people towards a life-giving journey with Jesus. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Center Church, and good morning to you, Boulevard United Methodists. Uh, We are so grateful that you're joining us today for our digital gathering uh, during this fourth week of Epiphany. Whether you're new or newer to our church, or whether you're a seasoned veteran, welcome to you. We're so glad you're joining us today. Um, Yes, we are online as we continue to wait for COVID exposure cases to decrease. We're really hoping that on February 6th, mark your calendars, we can have our first gathering together in this building. So you're going to want to invite all your friends, all your people to be a part of this gathering. It is going to be a blast. Um, Be there or be square It's going to be so amazing. Um, Now, the other thing I want to tell you about is Drew Wilson has developed an incredible spiritual practice curriculum, and we're going to offer you some next steps to practice the things we've been talking about during our series, Formed in Light. Spots are super limited for this midweek workshop that's going to take place on Thursdays at 7 p.m. during the entire month of February. Child care will be provided, but the spots are super duper limited to just 25 people. And so you're going to want to sign up at this link right here if you want to learn more about spiritual practices and how you can implement those into your own life so that you too can be formed in light. Because there is something about being formed in the light of Christ that compels us to be the light, whether that's the light in our workplace or the light in our friendship or the light in our city. Not only are we drawn toward the light, but we are also sent by the light. You know, this is, um, in John 1, this is John's understanding of creation when he says in verse 4, in him was life and that life was the light for all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There is something powerful about the smallest amount of light that has the power to always, always, always overcome darkness wherever it's taken. Now imagine with me a small candle being taken into a a really dark room. It doesn't necessarily illuminate all dark corners of that room, or all the darkness, but it does light the places where it's being sent. It does offer light to the places where it goes. You know, I think it's easy for us to pay attention to the light because it's so positive. But observe in this text, darkness is mentioned twice. There's something about the repetition. The, The author wants to remind us that the darkness is a reality, right? In fact, Many of us, I think if we are really honest, we forget to observe that there are dark realities in our life, in our world, and in our city, especially when it comes to our city, right? I mean, we're so busy celebrating all of its wonderful attributes, like Maymont Park during the spring, or like sitting at a baseball game and eating squirrely fries, which is 
Richmond Flying Squirrels are double-A baseball team's french fries. Like First Fridays, like Richmond's amazing culinary scene, like the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts in Carytown. We are so busy celebrating that we forget that there are actual dark realities of our city that we're being invited to pay attention to, like Short Pump Mall. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, we love Short Pump Mall, except during Christmas. Then we want to burn it to the ground. Um, but it's easy for us to forget about the dark facts and the dark corners and the dark realities of our city. For example, like 85% of Richmond public school students are not reading at a proficient level for their grade. Like the real school-to-prison pipeline, like Richmond having its most violent year in 2021 than it's had in over 17 years. Like a lack of access to health care that many people face and grocery stores, inequitable transportation, and a prison complex designed to keep people from having opportunities once they emerge out of our prison system because they have to check a box on every job application. Many of us forget that the light we have, God's holy presence within our life, can be an answer to the darkness that our neighbors are experiencing physically, emotionally, and spiritually, maybe even ourselves. We are sent with our light, the light we've been formed by, into those dark places. And I'm not, I'm not acting like we don't have challenges. We have many challenges. I'm a realist. But I also believe that we have opportunities. In fact, we don't just have opportunities. I believe we have more opportunities than we do challenges, especially if grace is present and our lives are offered as presents. Uh, speaking of presents, I'm reminded of Christmas. Emmanuel, right? We just celebrated Christmas recently. Emmanuel, God with us. This idea of being with is at the forefront of God's missiology, which is a really fancy word for um, the study of mission or the practice of being on mission. You know, the creator, God, chooses to pursue humans by dwelling in the very places that the least of these live. Darkness. That's the whole point of Jesus' birth. We are invited to take on that same missio day, which is Latin for the mission of God or the sending of God. You see, for Jesus, this idea of dwelling with, this idea of dwelling with creation, with the least likely, is a Christological invitation for the church, you and me, to embody we too, we make space through our missional presence here in our city. And our invitation is really simple. Our invitation from Christ is to simply abide. We are responsible for the church to embody God's completeness by being complete ourselves. 
And what's true is that we lack fullness when one of us isn't invited into the fold. We lack completeness when one of us isn't well. That, that is what it means to, um, to respond to the, to the communal wellness. We lack completeness when our physical, spiritual, and emotional needs aren't met. When one of us isn't well, none of us are complete and well. You see, Jesus understood the importance of this very thing. In our gospel reading today that Allison shared, we're reminded that great crowds of people continued to follow after Jesus. They were hungry for a miracle. In fact, it was mentioned twice in our text. And then the text tells us in Allison's reading of the gospel that it was Passover, that Passover was near. And one of the ways that you celebrate Passover in the Jewish tradition is by being reminded of God's provision by breaking of bread with one another, by having a Seder or a Eucharistic meal of remembrance of God's provision for the Israelites when they were enslaved in Egypt and liberated. The people, the text says, were hungry and they were in need. The text continues that despite Philip's concern about how much it would cost to feed all these people, they eventually trusted enough that Jesus would provide. Andrew pointed out that there was a boy standing nearby, and he had five loaves of bread, and he had two fish. And from that minimal moment, a powerful movement was started. This is the embodiment of the gift of presence by Christ. People are hungry. And what better way to celebrate God's liberation, God's transformation, than feeding people and letting stories be shared. The healing was found in the presence of Christ. Look, I realize that there are many people whose needs are significant. And we're working with minimal financial resources as a church organization. I recognize that we face challenges of bringing two distinct congregations and making them one. These are real challenges. I realize that the needs in our city They are just massive, and they're systemic, and they're hard to overcome. But can we offer a healing presence? Can we offer a bit of ourselves? Can our mission be God's mission? Can we incarnate the light? Are we formed in that light? And are we a presence in the place that God has us? Samuel Wells, an Anglican priest, says this in his book, A Nazareth Manifesto, Being with God. If the potential of a neighborhood lies first in its unlocked gifts, attention is the slow and purposeful listening to stories, abiding in silence, befriending time, and the acceptance of the fallibility that leads to the discovery of gifts. I love that quote. 
many of us, we've been trained in thinking that quick conversions are the methods of God's grace. But if you look at the arc of God's ministry, there is nothing quick about it. It's a slow presence, and it's a whisper of invitation. It's the breaking of bread, and it's a trust. It's a trust of enough, and it's a trust in the work that Christ is already doing. This church, this church here in the Randolph neighborhood, friends, it is a gift. We're on the cusp of VCU. We have a basketball court inside of our building. We have an acre of land. We have space and on space. We have a community of people that are ready to engage in our city. We have a medication to offer those that are in dark places. I'm reminded of the life of John Wesley, the Anglican pietist that jump-started the Methodist movement. You know, John Wesley had a deep healing practice. Observe how I said practice. Because while John Wesley preached and prayed over thousands and thousands of people as part of his ministry, a lesser-known practice in his life was offering medicine to bring about physical well-being in people. Not only did he offer treatment and knowledge about physical health, but he also equipped people. He taught people how to make their own medication through the practice of apothecary, recognizing that, that people didn't have ample access to health care. John Wesley, he saw a deeper more spiritual connection to our means and our mission. His mission was deeply incarnational to what people needed and where people were. And like John Wesley, our means is our mission. Our building is an opportunity for deep healing in our city. Here in this neighborhood, Randolph, our presence is vital to the transformation of our city, Richmond. We have gifts, we have insight, we have collective knowledge, and we have understanding to bring about the missio day, the mission of God, where God has us. And friends, we all have opportunities to bring about whole healing, not just through prayer, but through the action of healing of emotional and physical and spiritual needs here in this place, in your friends' lives, in your workplace, in your families, and the place that God is sending you to go. And like John Wesley, you don't have to have advanced degrees to participate in the healing presence of God. Wesley didn't have a medical degree. And he didn't even have a license from a medical society. He was a minister that had means and made it a part of his mission to bring about wellness that those to those that were in darkness. You have prayer, friends. You can offer spiritual healing. You have gifts and you have talents. I've seen them. 
You can provide physical healing. And I've experienced the gift of many of your presence. You can provide the same kind of emotional healing that you've provided me to the people in your lives and to our neighbors here in the neighborhood of Randolph and to our city. What do you have? And what can you, only you, do? Will you turn and take a look real quick with me at John 6.10? John chapter 6, verse 10. It's this really cool moment. The text says this. Jesus said, have the people sit down. And then the author goes into additional commentary. There was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Now, women weren't included in that number, so the number was greater than 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves. He gave thanks and distributed it to those that were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. I love this moment in the text because I'm reminded that God is already at work. God is already at work in spaces. There's plenty of grass. God is already at work in in spaces like physical, spiritual, and emotional healing. And the question that we must be willing, that we must be bold enough to ask ourselves is, are we willing to join God in the creation of restoration that he's already doing? And I believe God is saying to our community, look, there is plenty of grass. There's plenty of bread in that five loaves. There's plenty of fish in those two fish. Look, there is plenty, and whatever you think you lack, I am abundant in. Whatever hurdles you face, I am able. This is the incarnational work of God through Christ and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And friends, friends, God doesn't want to do this work without you. Your presence is required for our collective completeness. God doesn't want to do this work without you. Your presence is required for our completeness. The church has a responsibility to incarnate the hospitality of God. The invitation is to come and see. Come and see so that others can go and be. Come and see. Come be a part of this missiological movement, this missio day that is taking place here so that others can be sent, that they might experience transformation and go and be. Think about it. I love this. Earlier in John's gospel, after um, Jesus' baptism, two Disciples follow after Jesus after hearing John's proclamation that he was indeed the Lamb of God. I don't know if Jesus like 
heard their footsteps or maybe heard their whispers, but he quickly turned to these two disciples that were following him, and he boldly says, what do you want to these two followers? One of these followers was Andrew, who's Peter's brother, and they responded, we want to see where you stay, Jesus, and Jesus' response was so simple. It, It was so perfect. It was so complete. He simply says to them, come and see. Come and see. Come follow me and see who you might become and how I might use you. Andrew told Peter, Jesus, uh, Andrew told Peter, and, and then Jesus found Philip and said, Hey, come to me. First, Jesus says, Come and see. Now he's turning to Philip and saying, Come to me. And then look what happens. Philip goes back to his hometown, and he finds his good pal, Nathaniel. And he says, listen, we've discovered the Messiah from Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come from Nazareth? And look how Philip responds. Come and see. Come and see. Can anything good come out of someone like me? Can anything good come out of my life of deep regrets and woundedness? Can God use my presence, my giftedness as an invitation to my neighbors, to my friends, to my coworkers, to my family? Can God use these two churches to become one, to bring about a transformational movement of, of God here in our city, to participate in making Richmond beautiful. Come and see. This can be a bit daunting, can't it? Our greatest insecurities, they, they aren't around things that go wrong. Like, isn't it true what that we always find ways of dealing with bad news when we're told about bad news? But our greatest insecurities, the things that keep us up late at night, the things that keep us tossing and turning is our lack of knowledge of the what's, what's ahead of us. Like in this story, our greatest insecurities are around what will we do to afford to feed this many people? What will everyone sit on? What will happen? Our greatest insecurities are wondering What will change if we move forward in our mission as two churches becoming one? What will I lose if I follow Jesus into unknown territory? And friends, I want you to know I see you. These are all valid questions. But I think if we're honest about who God is, I believe we'll see that God is less concerned about the answers than our willingness to explore the question of who. Who will we become as people that are sent? Who will God invite us to minister to? 
Who are the people on the outside looking in? Who has been deeply wounded by the church? Who are not amongst our people? Who are the marginalized amongst us? Who doesn't have access to health care, doesn't have access to equitable education? And who is hungry? Who? You see, a mission formed in light is about who. Who we are becoming and who we're called to serve. In other words, mission isn't always about where we'll end up or what we'll do. Mission is about the kind of people we want to be when we reach the people God is inviting us to serve. There is never a moment where God isn't in movement in our world and in our city. And the invitation that we have been given is to join God where God is already at work, to come and see so that others might go and be. So this week, your your homework is to think of one person, one place that you're being sent. Maybe, maybe it's your workplace. Maybe there's someone you have a, a great relationship with at work. Or, or maybe it's just someone that is a Jesus follower. And you want to connect with that person. This, this is a great starting place for gospel movement in the workplace. Just getting together and sharing stories. Spending time with one another. Maybe, maybe it's a friend. Maybe you have a friend that's been skeptical of church because of our lack of care of people for a long, long time. Maybe, maybe you can invite them to come and see this new thing we're doing here at Randolph. Come and see. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a best friend. You see, when we invite people into the church, we grow in completeness. We, we, when we invite people into our church space, into our community, We're giving people an opportunity to be transformed and then be sent to use their gifts for transformation here in our city. Maybe it's using your gifts and your talents to partner with our kids' ministry. We're launching our kids' ministry again the first week of March. Mark your calendars. It's going to be so exciting. And we need volunteers. We need people like you. We need people willing to participate in the mission of God by forming our little friends in, their, in, in the way of Jesus so that they too can be on mission in their families, in their schools, and on the playground. I'm going to post a link right now in the chat. You can sign up uh, right this moment, and what we'll do is send you next steps of a background check and a few questions and time availability. Go ahead and click that link right now. That's a great next step. Maybe it's getting involved in a local nonprofit. Maybe there's something like um, Joel Thigpen talked about last week in the chat. If you were watching online, he, he mentioned risks that RISC does public policy advocacy work, and it's a local nonprofit. Maybe you'll want to touch base with Joel Thigpen or Michael Capps about joining in on those efforts to ensure equitable housing here in our city. That, that's a great next step for you. Maybe God has placed something on your heart, a, a place to bring about transformation and change. 
Maybe it's a people. Maybe it's someone you see that's marginalized. I want you to write it down. Open up a sticky note on your computer or write it on a physical sticky note, which is an antiquated technology you may remember, about the places and the people that you're being sent to go to. And I want you to come and see. Come and see. Center Church has a slogan that we throw around at people that want the church to do things. People all the time like, will come to me and they're like, oh man, the church should fill in the blank. The church should start like a mechanic ministry where we fix cars. And we always respond with, yeah, you would be so great at that. You can do it. And so our slogan is really simple at our church. We stole it straight from Home Depot. You can do it. We can help. You have the gifts, you have the talents, and you have the ability. Come and see. You can do it. We can help you accomplish it. You see, a a life formed in light, it offers a missional presence. It offers your gifts, your talents, your means, so that you can be on mission here in our city. In your circles, in your friends, in your family, wherever God is sending you, a life formed in light offers missional presence light and darkness. Be healed, be sent.